your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian gets the snap, holds it, looks, sets, throws, pass, caught, one, yeah, first down, hits on the 20, 15, shoots the defender, 10, 5, touchdown, Nebraska, Juan Dale Robinson's first touchdown as a Cornhusker. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Today's buzzwords, rapid testing. (laughs) That's something I never would have thought I'd ever say six months ago. But when I say it, every single one of you goes, okay, must be talking about COVID-19. Yeah, you're right. Welcome, Sports Highlight Thursday night here on the Husker Sports Network. So glad you chose to spend some of your time with us here tonight. And, yeah, rapid testing. Uh, Big announcement from the Pac-12, Ben McLaughlin, a couple of hours ago. Their commissioner, Larry Scott, came out and said that they have reached an agreement with a pharmaceutical company that is going to produce for them in mass by the end of September these rapid tests that can be taken and the results learned within 15 minutes. Uh, Larry Scott said it's a game changer for us. We did not anticipate being able to get these until sometime in November, and it changes our outlook as we go into the fall. Uh, The Pac-12 canceled all their fall sports and said, in fact, no sports at all for the Pac-12 until the end of the end of the year, which would certainly conflict with college basketball, which we've been talking about throughout the week. Looks like it may start Thanksgiving week. Uh, And so Larry Scott said um, this changes, obviously, our thoughts toward college basketball and, and also maybe can get us back on the football field sooner. He did go on to say, though, that even if they had the rapid testing right now, that they have a couple of states that are in lockdowns that wouldn't allow teams to practice California and Oregon. Well, in California, the four of the Pac-12 schools are from California with Cal, Stanford, USC, and UCLA, and then you have the two Oregon schools. So half your league basically wouldn't be able to even get out and practice with the current conditions on the ground in those two states. So he said, don't be thinking this means we're playing football in three or four weeks. Um, but the rapid testing, I think, is really good news. We thought that was coming. Uh, we, we even mentioned on the, the President Trump call a couple of days ago with Kevin Warren that that seemed to be a big part of their discussion and the president saying we can get you some rapid testing soon uh, because it is being developed and about ready for mass distribution. And the Pac-12 today um, says that this does it. Now, Larry Scott did say that he has told Kevin Warren Big Ten commissioner, for those of you living uh, off the grid for a while, uh, says that it's a high priority for the Pac-12 that they could align their season plans with the Big Ten to allow their traditional postseason game. So there you go. I think the new end game Ben, for the Big Ten and the Pac-12, and for those of us who've been saying, what would these kids be playing for? Well, they would be playing for a berth in the Rose Bowl, which for decades was the crown jewel for these two conferences. In fact, when we joined the league, I think we were all kind of taken aback that everybody seemed to say, we want to we want to get to the Rose Bowl. Well, don't you want to play for national championship? No, no, we just want to get to the Rose Bowl. That is our – that's where the golden ticket resides is at the Rose Bowl. We're like, eh, kind, of, kind of felt like you play for a national championship, but – 
The Big Ten has kind of changed that mindset. Urban Meyer helped do that at Ohio State. But there you go, Ben. Rapid testing. It's going to be available in just a couple of weeks. How much does that change the landscape in your eyes? Yeah, I, I feel like it's, you know, obviously a positive thing. It's it's not bad news by any stretch. I I think the um, the Big Ten commissioner, Kevin Warren, is breathing a sigh of relief that, you know, states are – um, unable to to practice some universities are unable to practice in those two states that you mentioned I think you know he's probably relieved because if if they've got free reign to start going that might put pressure on on Kevin Warren to even move this thing up again so I think he kind of lucked out there that uh, you know there are some schools in the Pac-12 that are just unable to and if it is a priority to to marry the seasons together you know, the Big Ten can say, yeah, this is just what we wanted the whole time. You know, this is uh, this was our goal, and, you know, this was kind of the target that we wanted, and, th- and they can still play that card like, see, we kind of told you so. Um, whereas, you know, if the Pac-12 was saying, okay, yeah, we can start we can start in a month, that, then all of a sudden all the pressure's on the Big Ten to start making moves, and not just Kevin Warren, but, you know, the presidents and the chancellors in the, uh, in the Big Ten conference. So it's good news. I think that's – you know, obviously something that should be uh, present in all of the of the locker rooms or the um, campuses, all the teams that are playing, that should be should be there. I mean, they should have that ability. And, you know, I think this provides, you know, the opportunity for hoops to get started when they want to. And, um, you know, obviously on the football front too, you know, stuff to pay attention to. And I completely agree. It would be silly for the Pac-12 and the Big Ten in, in multiple areas, but even just from a you know a publicity standpoint, for them not to marry up because they don't have to be the only ones. You know, they don't have to be the only ones not playing. They can say, yeah, well, we're we're in lockstep with the Pac-12, or we're in lockstep with the Big Ten, and this is you know this is kind of how we're going to do things. So, yeah, I mean, it's good news. I, I wish the Big Ten would 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 um, put something out similar to this. And I put a tweet out a little while ago, you know, it's amazing what a little transparency, a little honesty and, you know, forthright can do with a, with a league's reputation because, you know, the PAC 12 was kind of a joke when, when uh, president Trump was um, meeting with Kevin Warren, because there wasn't really anything uh, said or done about the PAC 12. But I think a lot of people have backed off the PAC 12 after today with that statement that they put out and the information that they were finding. And, you know, kind of moving forward in, in their own way. You look at the situation today around the Big Ten, Greg, I'm sure we'll, we'll get there, but, you know, I, you wake up to news that, you know, there's a Penn State doctor saying that 30 to 35% of the Penn State athletes have this heart condition following COVID, and you're thinking, oh, man, that's not good. Well, maybe this is, you know, part of the reason why the Big Ten didn't want to play football. But then you've got an asterisk to that and clarification that came from that a few hours later saying, Oh, this is, first of all, this is never intended for just Penn state student athletes, even though that's how it read this morning. And that was quote unquote early data that was inaccurate. So, I mean, again, it's, this isn't even the commissioner's fault. This isn't even necessarily Penn state's fault, but the news out of the big 10 today was that. And so once again, nobody's on the same page all the data is telling you one thing, then the other data is telling you the other. There's still no continuity in this league whatsoever on what to believe, who to believe, 
when this is going to happen, when this is not going to happen. There is zero clarity. It's as murky as it gets. It's diving in lake water is what this is. And boy, did the national media people glom on to that Penn State report. And they ran with that for the five to six hours that it was out there before the professor himself came back and said, yeah, I, you're misreading how this is, and maybe I didn't write this out correctly, and that's that's not accurate the way it's being portrayed, even though it's kind of the way it read. But, boy, the national media, and you can just go right down the line, the Stuart Mandels, the Dennis Dodds, those people all jumped on and said, see, see, this is why the Big Ten, this is why they're smarter than everybody, because they know this is here. And now they've been – they're quiet because now the professor himself is like, yeah, that's that's not the way it was portrayed. Coming up at hour number two, Teddy Greenside is going to join us. He's got a terrific piece up on the Chicago Trib site, and it's titled Pick a Lane, Big Ten, and Do It Soon. Uh, it's his breakdown of the three – what he's got three possibilities, and we'll let him outline it more when he comes on with us next hour about what he thinks is going to happen for Big Ten football. Uh, I'll give you the clip notes real quick. It's the Thanksgiving one that we heard from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel – last uh, week, starting the, starting the season around Thanksgiving time. Then you have the dome scenario, which he says would start the last week of December. You would play in those big domes in Detroit, Minneapolis, and Indianapolis, an eight-game schedule, D- name division winners, have a conference championship game, and then have a team who wins your conference go play in the Rose Bowl against the Pac-12. And then he's got the one that, that Jeff Brom brought up right after the cancellation a couple of weeks ago, which would be a mid-February start and wouldn't get done until April. Uh, but Teddy says they need to pick one of these and do it in a hurry. And he says by next week, this needs to be locked in by the Big Ten. Quit all this speculating that's going around, and I agree with that. Whatever they're going to do, they need to get it out there so the student-athletes know what they're what they're doing, fans know what they're doing, the administrations know what they're doing, the coaching staffs know what they're doing. Uh, so it's a good read. We'll get Teddy on coming up in hour number two as well. Jeremiah Searle is going to join us here in a couple of minutes. We'll get a player's perspective of this thing uh, with all these different things and how comfortable he would be knowing some of the health risks and health uh, treatments that are there now with this rapid test, how that could do. To add to the insanity of some of this, Ben, the state of Michigan – which both Michigan Big Ten schools were a no vote, by the way, um, if you believe the affidavit that was filed with the Big Ten here in Lincoln a week or so ago. They were two of the 11 Michigan and Michigan State to vote no. But the, the state of Michigan today has reversed course on playing high school football. They had announced back in August they were pushing high school football to the spring. They had a meeting today with their high school board of directors. They voted to reverse course. They're going to start in 10 days with their high school football season. So there you go, another state in the Big Ten footprint, Ben, that's playing high school football. And the two, the two biggies, Ohio and Michigan, Ohio's been playing high school football for a week or so, and now Michigan's going to join them. So there is another thing where it's okay for the high school kids to play but not the college kids. Uh, but that's a that's a big step forward, and you know that's certainly for the, I'm happy for those young men in those states that are high school football players that they're going to get a chance to to play here this fall. Yeah, I mean I think that's that's a great thing. It's it's an opportunity that a lot of kids in the Nebraska area don't have, or at least in certain districts. So that's that's great. I just feel, you know, continually pulled in different directions on what's okay and what isn't. It's I don't know. It's just it's 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 frustrating. It's annoying. I mean, every day there's 
there's no clarity. And, and, and if anything, it gets more confusing and frustrating by the day, you know, and, and pick a state in the Big Ten that, that takes their turn um, with this with this news. And, you know, Pennsylvania in the news today, Michigan in the news today. Minnesota's been unbelievably quiet in this Ooh. whole thing, sure high school or college. Um, but, yeah, this is just – I'm beginning to want to just skip to the end of the book and read the last page. That's, that's kind of where I'm at. It's like yeah. you pick up one of those, you know – novels that you can stand on and and change a light bulb with how thick it is and i'm ready to just read the last page and be over yeah and and i think that's kind of what teddy's point is and we'll let him again lay it out when he joins us at the at the top of hour number two is you got to pick one and you got to go with it you got to quit these daily leaks of something going out there daily rumors out there that oh we're going to start october the 10th no we're going to start thanksgiving week no we're going to play in february no we're going to play you need to pick something, get it settled. Everybody go, yep, that's the one we're going to shoot for. Let's go. And so that all this can kind of settle down a little bit and you can jump in. Hey, by the way, we do have FBS football tonight. A couple of games going on around the country. One kicks off at 8 o'clock tonight. That is Southern Miss hosting South Alabama. We've played both those teams. The Oscars have in the last five, six years. Uh, they'll be playing in Hattiesburg, also UAB. On the field tonight, playing Central Arkansas, the team that played the FCS opener back on Saturday. They just stayed in Alabama, did Central Arkansas, and they'll play their second game in five days tonight against UAB. I'll be watching. I'll be putting on the CBS Sports Network to watch that Southern Miss-USA game here in just a, a couple of, well, about 90 minutes from now uh, when that happens. All right, Jeremiah Searles joining us now. Your head's spinning. My head spins about every day. What 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 am I seeing today? What am I hearing today? What I mean, it's just crazy, right? I mean, it's a little wild. I'm dove hunting, so sorry about that. Um, but you know, it's just one of those things that you sit there and you watch, and you're just like, what is really going on? Like, what's the like? There's no truth to it. Like, there's no truth to things or matter, and it's just a little bit of everything of like, no one actually knows. You know what I mean? Like, no one actually knows. And so my head just spins around and around and around. And you just kind of eventually hope that one day we'll figure it out and we'll play football. The rapid testing thing came out today. The Pac-12 says they've, they've signed a contract with a private pharmaceutical company that they, they're going to get by the end of the month these tests that they can test somebody and in 15 minutes have the results. That's got to be big, doesn't it, Jeremiah, for a team sport to be able to do that and know within 20 minutes whether a guy is good or not? Yeah, I think that's huge. I think that that's one of those things that is a big checkbox, right? I think that those are things that if you're really focusing on player safety and if you're really focusing on if COVID is really the main driver in why we're not playing football, that's a huge box that you can check and say, okay, now what's the next hurdle we have to go over? I think that's one of the biggest hurdles. So if that's something that we can get fired out there, I think that'll be a step in the right direction as far as trying to uh, play football. The NFL, we're a week away from them. They're starting their season. A week from tonight is the first Thursday game. I'm sure you keep in touch with some guys that are in the league. It doesn't seem like there's been big issues yet during camp at the NFL level. What are you hearing? No, yeah, everyone says that everything's been going great. I think that it's kind of what we talked about about three, four weeks ago. These guys want to play, so they're going to be smart. They're not going to – they're not going to go out and do stupid things because they know that their entire season's at jeopardy and you truly love football, you're going to do the things the right way. And so, yeah, everyone I've talked to the NFL, besides that one crazy thing where there was like 77 positives out of that one lab, 
everything's been going smoothly. They show up, they get tested, they go to work every day, and they just keep chugging right along. And I would think the rapid test, when that's available to them, that, that, that I mean, I have no doubt. Do you that they're going to play a full season? No doubt. I think if they can get the rapid test, I think you're going to see a full 16 game season. I think they might. I think I like Sean Payton's idea about putting things in the bubble for the playoffs. Just because, I mean, the last thing you want is the NFC Championship, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, by the way, your starting quarterback has COVID and can't play. So I think that the bubble idea for that's not a terrible idea. Um, I think that, yeah, I think you get this rapid testing stuff fired out there and pushed out there. I mean, the NFL is going to be all over that. They're going to be the first ones all over that. And, I mean, they're going to have a full season going right ahead. And, I mean, hopefully everything trickles down. The NFL's top dog. So NFL works, trickles down into college, high school, the whole bit, and we can get back to our lives. Jeremiah, we, it's going to be odd, I would think, when you flip on these NFL games in the coming weeks. Some places are going to have some fans. Most are not going to have any. How different is that going to be for players to, to run out at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis or wherever it is, and there's nobody going to be in the stands? Yeah, I was actually talking. We're sitting here in the Dove blind, and I was sitting here talking. Like, I could not imagine running out into an NFL or even college stadium and, like, introducing your starting offensive line, and you run out, like, number 75, Jeremiah Searles. Cricket, <laughs> cricket, cricket. Like, you know, like, it's just going to be – it would be so bizarre. Or it's like it's third down, and you're in the huddles at quarterback, like, hey, gun to trips, right? Like, so that they don't hear you on the other side, right? I mean, it's just going to be so weird, and I, I just can't imagine what it's going to actually look like for some of these guys. I guarantee they're going to have to pump in crowd noise and music they can crank up so that you guys aren't just hearing each other whisper to one another. I, I would think that's what it's going to be. Is it? Do you think it will take away from your enjoyment of the game and even at the college level if there are not many people, if any, in the stands? I think it'll take away a little from the excitement. It won't take away from my, my enjoyment of the game. I mean, there's something about watching the game and, like, the roar of a crowd, right? I mean, a big play, and you hear, you see the people standing up and the replay, and you see everything. I think that'll be missing. But for me, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how much are we going to be able to hear? Are you going to be able to hear the center calling out the mic point and the quarterback? Like, you can already hear the quarterback's audibles, but how much more of the, like, deeper look into the game are you going to be able to see? I think that'll be pretty neat. But I think the excitement factor of watching on TV, you, you kind of see with the NBA, right? Guy hits a game-winning shot, and there's no, like – freaking out and popcorn flying and i think that's going to be the part that's going to be hard and get a miss a little bit yeah no doubt all right um you, you and i are on the same page about spring football really needs to be off the table because then then yes. you really affect next fall what if they start late december play eight games and have pretty much everybody wrapped up by february is that is it then doable to be ready to go by september i think if you're done and i mean done out of pads starting the thing i mean I think that there needs to be no spring ball. I right. think that if, if you do that, I think spring ball is completely off the table. You can't put those kids back in spring ball, and then you just gear up for the following fall. I think that is doable. I think if by the end of February, football is done, that I think gives you March, April, May, June, July, that gives you enough time to recover. I think that that's got to be the, I mean, the dead man day, right? The second you go past February, fall football has gone. I, I'm, I'm with you. I think that could work. Now, what I might encourage is maybe a June kind of an OTA type thing where you don't do really any hitting, but maybe you get five to seven practices to go do some install, do a little bit of learning for the new players in the program. Maybe you do something like that in June, but don't let them hit. Keep them off the hitting, right. but maybe you get them out there and let them do something in June, which would be about yep. three months after you got done. I think that could work. I think it could definitely work. I think that's a good model. And I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, Greg, if that becomes part of the model. 
right? That they they mimic the NFL a little bit instead of this hardcore 16 practices, beat the kids down for, I mean, spring ball. Maybe you get more of an OTA style, more of a learning, true teaching. And then maybe you have the young guys, like freshman, sophomore, true spring ball. But as you get older, it turns into more of an OTAs thing. Save the body, save some odds on the body. You don't get risk of injury, some key players. I can see that becoming more of a normal, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think it could. All right, uh, if you're a player right now in Nebraska, your head's swirling. They're hearing the same rumors that we're hearing on a daily basis. Don't they just want to know? Tell me when. If it's Thanksgiving, great. Tell me then. If it's going to be right after Christmas, great. Tell me. Don't don't you think that's what they just want to know now? Tell me what it is, and we can we'll start to deal with it from that point on. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, at this point, you just want to know an answer. I mean, you talk about trying to build up physical like calluses, right? You want physical calluses to make sure you're healthy for the season. But mentally, it's just as tough, right? The mental buildup to a full season is just as hard as the physical buildup. And so if you're going to mentally, you tell these guys like, hey, we're going to play. Okay, we're not going to play. Okay, here's the schedule. Okay, never mind. We're not doing that. I mean, mentally, it will literally just wreck these guys. And so I'm hoping that mentally these guys are in it enough because they have to be that – they just aren't like all of a sudden they're like they're going through camp. They're going through everything thinking, well, maybe it's just going to get ripped out for me again. And all of a sudden season's here and you're not mentally geared up all the way to prepare for it. Right. I mean, that's a true fear for a lot of these guys. So I'm hoping that with this, the head spinning piece, they can just get one definitive answer and then we just stick with it so that they can physically get prepared and they can mentally get prepared. Cause I'll tell you this, without a full camp, these guys need at least five to six weeks of only 20 hours a week to get ready for a full season physically. And that doesn't even include the mental part of it with them having to do school and they're still doing virtual learning and all this stuff. Like there's a lot that goes into a mental preparation for a season as well. Good stuff. Hey, we'll let you get back to it. Uh, We appreciate it. We'll chat soon. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. Go big red. He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate. But his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. All right, my challenge with you this week is I I have to make this interview last longer than it took for John Rahm's putt to drop (laughs) to win the golf tournament last week. How about that? Greg, I came home. Uh, my wife asked me, how was the golf? She, of course, has no idea what transpired. <laughs> and I said, I think I just watched the greatest non-major in golf history. I mean, first of all, the whole week was incredible. Like, I happen to be friends with a lot of the members in Olympia Fields. And they've been basically licking their wounds for 13 years. I'm sorry, for 17 years. It was the 03 U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. Didn't go well. Played too easy for reasons that were beyond their control. So this was going to be the tournament where Olympia Fields could stick out its chest and say, we're as good as Medina. And, oh, my God, after three rounds, you know, the best was one under. Then we go into Sunday. John Robb, who already had, you know, been hit with a one-stroke penalty for failing to mark his ball, has this great round. She's 64, I believe, on Sunday. So I'm rooting for him, of course. He's also great with the media. So, you know, I love those guys. And goes into that final hole. And Dustin, you know, hits this bomb 43 feet, this impossible twisty putt to send into a playoff. And then Rom does him one better, 66 feet. The greatest putt I've ever seen live. Golf has been a salvation for me and I think a lot of sports fans over the last two months. They have just really done this very, very well in my eyes. 
incredibly well. You know, we heard in those first few weeks there were some positive tests. There was like an hour there where there was serious concern that they were going to shut it down. There were more of it might have been like five positive tests, three coming from caddies, and it was kind of on the fence. And the commissioner at that point said, no, 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 we're going to carry through. And we've not heard one word about it since. And I'm really not surprised because in a sport like golf, these guys are independent contractors. If they do some stupid stuff like those baseball players have done, you know, they don't have guaranteed contracts. I mean, the endorsements are probably guaranteed, but if you don't play, you don't make any money, you don't get mm-hmm. entry into other tournaments. So those guys have been really diligent. They go back at night, and they are in their hotel rooms. And if they're going out, it is with one person they know. They are not taking any risks. Yep, good for them. As well as they've handled it, Teddy, we have them on one extreme. We have the Big Ten Conference probably on the other end of that extreme about how poorly they've handled things the last couple weeks. You've penned a piece that just went up a couple of hours ago. What what let our let our audience in on what you put up? Yeah, Greg. So, I mean, I think you're probably referring to the communications and messaging, which has been a disaster both outside the conference in terms of getting the word out why Kevin Warren and the, the presidents made the decision and then internally as well when you've had folks from Penn State and Minnesota openly questioning whether there even was a vote. But now we're moving on a little bit to, I think, some really good news. I mean, football is going to be played. Obviously, not only ACC, Big 12, and SEC, but things are trending really well in the Big Ten right now. So I filed a column that ran uh, in the afternoon, and I lay out the three different strong possibilities. Now, I know there are rumors out there about October 10th, I don't think that's possible. You know, they would basically have to be returning to training camp right about now. So I don't think so. So certainly possible that there's going to be football starting around Thanksgiving. So I call that the turkey plan. Certainly a good plan. I think get the most number of games in that way. You have the fewest number of player opt-outs because it's the farthest distance to the NFL draft. And it's the least chance of harming uh, the 2021 season because it's obviously the farthest from the 2021 season. Negatives being, you know, where are we medically? There's still questions about myocarditis. And a lot of campuses such as at Iowa and Illinois have had a flood of COVID cases. So do you want to really start practice in mid-October? So not sure about that one. The one that I think makes a ton of sense, um, I am calling it the dome plan, where you play in the winter, you start probably the Saturday after Christmas, you play eight or nine games, and you play in, you know, some of the league's great domes. You play in Indy and Detroit and Minneapolis, and these would be entertaining games. And you could do triple headers on Saturday. You can play maybe Thursday night, Friday night. TV would certainly like it. There are a couple Saturdays with NFL playoff games, but most Saturdays do not. You know, and, and Saturdays in February, all you're doing is going up against college basketball. So I think that would be really good for the league. And then the final one I call the JV plan which is the spring plan. And as Nick Saban said, if you play in the spring, it's JV football because you'd have all these players opting out. I think there'll probably be 15 guys opting out. And honestly, then, I think it would be too dangerous to play again in September. I think you'd have to delay the 2021 season. So Thanksgiving or the Dome plan, those are the two that look far and away the most likely. Yeah, you mentioned Saban. Saban said JV plan. Urban Meyer says it's not even feasible to do that. Yeah. And I, I'm with you on that. I, and I've brought this up to a number of the Nebraska folks. I go, do you really want to harm the 21 season by trying to jam something in in the winter into the spring? Then you've affected two college football seasons. I, I, I don't know. 
I'm not sure that's a wise move to go. So I'm with you. I think one of the first two plans uh, looks yeah. doable. Would the Turkey plan have some on-campus games, or what, what would they? Where would they go if they go that direction? That one is definitely up in the air. And, and honestly, I think it's silly to play on campus. I mean, if you can't have tailgating and you can't have fans and you can't really have students at the game, then why would you possibly play on campus? Now, Notre Dame, for example, has come out with its attendance plan. And while there is no uh, tailgating, they are going to have students and parents of the players. So, you know, that's a benefit. But it doesn't help a lot of the people out there. I think at that point, uh, with the cold weather and all that, you play indoors. I, I think that is, is far and away the best move. Or maybe you do some kind of combination because certainly, you know, November, December is somewhat doable for uh, some of the campuses in terms of uh, comfort. Teddy, apparently the, the call between Trump and Warren, they did talk about rapid testing, and there was a big announcement by the Pac-12 earlier today yeah. about they believe they've, they've come to an agreement, I guess, with a company to supply them rapid testing maybe by the end of September. How big of a game changer can that be? A, a huge game changer, Greg. And, you know, I'm looking, I'm trying to look up the name of the company as, uh, as we're seeing it. But, yeah, Larry Scott uh, did a call earlier, and um, – Let's see. It's Sophia, the Sophia, Sophia testing devices. So, Sophia, we love you. Thank you so much. You, you might be getting us football back. Um, he is saying that the rapid test will supply results in 15 minutes, and that's what these coaches have been asking for. They want to have a situation either where their players are tested at breakfast or even better, the player wakes up and, you know, either self-administers or is administered a test, and then if he is positive for COVID-19, he doesn't go in the building. I mean, this is how you keep everyone safe. So you know that everyone going in your building has tested negative for COVID-19. Then you can have your meetings. Then you can have your full pad practices. So, you know, we've known about this pandemic since February or March, and we're finally seeing some breakthroughs. Larry Scott made the admission. He said if he'd known this was coming, he probably wouldn't have delayed the season. I mean, I thought that was quite an admission. Um, yeah, he said he didn't think this kind of access to rapid testing would come until November at the earliest. So if the Pac-12, which was the most reticent to play, is now coming out strong and acting like, okay, we're going to start getting this going, you know the Big Ten is feeling that way too because Kevin Warren, man, the amount of heat he's been getting is, uh, wow, I'm glad I'm not him. Yeah, well, maybe they maybe, maybe they can salvage a Rose Bowl at some point in time between the Pac-12 yeah. and the Big Ten. We had Fred Hoiberg on last night, and he said, you know, they're hearing a lot of things. He said the plan that seems to have the most steam is starting the college basketball season around Thanksgiving. i got to think yes. with rapid testing, there's no way they don't play, right? I mean, I think that's got to be yeah. lock it in for college hoops. Lock it in. Basketball looks just fantastic for, for the reason you're talking about, Greg. And it's, you know, a similar timeline with, with football. What I like so much about the dome plan where you're starting at the end of December, early January is you're starting your fall camp, fall camp 2.0 around Thanksgiving. Right. So some of these campuses already don't have students like Michigan State, but the ones that do, they are going to be clearing out around November 20, 22, 23. That's when you can test all your, you know, certainly basketball, but also your football guys get them in a natural bubble, start practicing, and ramp them up and have them ready at the end of December. So, um, 
that's what I wrote. But, you know, since I wrote that, the rapid testing has, has come out. So now I'm sure a lot of fans are going to say, I don't even want to wait until the end of December. I don't want to wait until Christmas for my football. I want it Thanksgiving earlier. Ah. Well, I think I saw pictures today on, on Twitter. Notre Dame was putting an ACC logo on their field. I mean, this is blowing my mind. I mean, <laughs> but, but the, the Irish open a week from Saturday against Duke. Are you planning yeah. on going over to see that? I am absolutely planning on going. Um, it's interesting covering games. I'm covering the Cardinals-Cubs game on Sunday. And you go to these games even though you really don't get any more access. Like all yeah. the interviews are on Zoom. So as a sports writer, you're debating what's the value here. Now I covered you know, the, the BMW championship. And there's value there because you can talk to you know, fans or starters. Like I did a golf story about there was like a knothole gang. There were people watching the tournament from the opposite side of a fence in Chicago. You can talk to them by being there. But if you're at a college football game and every interview by, is by Zoom, then you're kind of like, why am I driving to South Bend and hanging out in an <laughs> indoor press box for six hours if I'm just watching it on TV? So I do want to be there September 12th when they play against Duke for the novelty of it. Uh, I think beyond that, a lot of us will just be really watching it on TV like everybody else and plugging in to do the Zoom interviews. All right, very good. Last weekend of the summer, you got big plans. Labor Day weekend here. Here we go. Uh, we've rented a little guest house in Michigan, and uh, I'll get out there, play a little golf. Um, place called the Dunes Club, which is a really cool nine holer in Michigan, and then uh, yeah, get back and cover uh, Cards Cubs on Sunday, man. What you got going? Uh, I'm just going to be laying low. I'll probably watch a little college football. In fact, I'm going to watch yes. some tonight. We got Southern Miss against South Alabama. I saw you on Twitter late Saturday night watching that Central Arkansas Austin P game. I mean, that was a thriller. Was that classic college football? We've got like three exciting endings in one game. Totally delivered. And uh, man, thank God it's back. We got to get it back in the Midwest because. If it's not, and next Saturday we're watching Texas play and Notre Dame play and uh, Oklahoma State, man, it's going to be rough. So Big Ten needs to come out with a schedule. No doubt. All right, be well, and we'll talk next week. Thanks, Greg. It's time for face-off. They score! The face-off! Let's go. Mano Amano, you me, right here, right now. Now, here are your hosts, Josh Hilkeman and Austin Orman. Well, here we are, and I wasn't here last week, but I heard that some of the questions were a little bit rough for you Ooh, guys. You had, they you were hard. Time, so. The buzzer got to work out. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see if we can make it a little bit easier this week. We do have a few housekeeping issues to go through, though, before we get to this week's questions. First of all, you'll remember a few weeks ago, Greg brought up a question, had a dispute, and it was reviewed, and we determined that, Greg, you were right about that question. It was about teams that had lost, I think, 110 games in Major League yeah. Baseball in a season, and so you were right about that, and so what we're going to do is the way that would have played out is you would have stolen that question, and that would have forced a seventh question that time. So... What we'll end up doing is at some point tonight, some we other have a tie. Some, well, I was going to say some other night we'll probably we'll, we'll do a tiebreaker question because we actually still have that question on the books. So if we have time tonight, we'll get to that and that will will erase a could erase a win for Ben or keep it as Man, a win for Ben. So, don't like that. Yeah, Ben. Don't that, like that technicality. Ben, I already not, chalked that up for a win. Yeah. <laughs> but we. Well, I think. 
Houston was the last team to lose 110, I yeah. think. Yep, right? you were, you were right, right on that. And so that's the thing, too. Is it would have been a steal for you, so that question would have gone the other way. But So there, there's one thing. We're, we're going to do that tiebreaker at some point. Let's that, blame Tim. Yeah, let's blame Tim on that one. He's not here, so we'll blame him. <laughs> we also have come to a conclusion on when this season of face-off is going to end. We're going to do a best 13 of 25. Well, now the running <laughs> score right now is 11 to 9 Ben. So, Greg, you could possibly make up uh, a couple of points here. You could technically make it from an 11 to 9 deficit and you could go up 11 to 10 because you would take away a point from Ben that he's already won and, and take one back. So, we're doing best 13 of 25. I know everybody's been wondering that for a while. When will season one of Faceoff end? Well, it could end very soon, but... And then the third housekeeping issue, I, we promise we will get to the questions here in a bit, but the third housekeeping issue, we it's been rumored and now it has been made official. We are at the end of season one. We'll have one week where we'll do a turnaround Thursday edition of Face Off. Nice. You guys will ask the questions and Austin and I have agreed to be the first guinea pigs. We will play Love each other and Face Off. We'll probably try to get at least Tim involved. I don't know if we're going to be able to drag Brett into this, but... We'll try to do these every once in a while where you guys get yeah. asked yeah. questions. So. Maybe like every third or every fourth week or something. Yeah, find absolutely. Some type of pattern. All right, well, let's get into the questions for this week. And we start with, of course, a little college football and actually some Husker football. So name the last four opponents Nebraska football beat in a season opener. Ben. Ben in first. Fresno State. Show me Fresno State. That is correct. They did that in 2016. Season opener. Okay. Yeah, season I'll play opening it. win for the Huskers. Um. Man, I feel like you got to go back a while on some of these. Maybe. How about uh, Southern Miss? Show me Southern Miss. Maybe back too far. Yeah, maybe a little bit. That was on my list. I thought you had that one. Well, yeah. <coughs> ben helping me out. So the last four, so I have three left, correct? Correct. Yeah. Um, Got Fresno State in 16. Shoot. Well, South Alabama, obviously. All right, South Alabama. Yep, last year. Maybe I should start there and work my <laughs> way back. I was going to say, work your way back. <laughs> you, you went back a ways. 2016 is going back a ways. Yeah, okay. So it's, a, it's the season opening win, not just the first win of the year, correct? correct? So the last time, yeah, they have oh. to win a season opener. Okay. So like first game of the year. Time. First game of the year, and okay, it had to yeah. be a win. So if it's a yeah, loss yeah. in the season opener, yeah, okay. it's not on the list. Um, you said Southern Miss was 16? Fresno State was 16. I don't oh, know Fresno when Southern State. Miss oh, okay. was. Oh, okay. Southern Miss was you. a buzzer. I was going to say, I think I feel like Southern Miss was a lot longer ago, than, <laughs> more long ago than that. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, <laughs> not BYU and not Colorado. Been doing a little bit of elimination here. 
I could have. You guys, this would have probably been a little bit easier if we had done the losses because I feel like those are a little yeah. bit more memorable. Yeah. They definitely are. I just didn't um, want to be too negative, you know. How about Louisiana Lafayette? Show me Louisiana Lafayette. It's not on the list. Sheesh. Mm. It's hard. It is. Yeah. I, I guess I. <laughs> This one isn't necessarily the easier ones, but I feel like there are a couple in here that are maybe a little easier, I hope. Maybe. Man, I'm really feeling the pressure, to be yeah. honest with you. Do you think Greg has one of the other yeah. two? You yeah, think I so? think he does. <laughs> Man, I'm trying to like think of the the, the, the potentials, like the, the schools that... Yeah. This is difficult. I, I would have probably gotten South Alabama from last year. The other three I would not have gotten. What just sticks in my mind are the Was Colorado games. Yes, and exactly. How, Florida Atlantic. How about Florida Atlantic? Okay. That's, that's that was the Terrell, Terrell Newby. Yeah, I think Terrell Newby went for two bills that night. There you go. So you got one left. <laughs> Man, this, this is unbelievable. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Austin's itching to get in here, guys. We need uh, I to bet he is. <laughs> I remember this game vividly, personally. So this has been the first one I would have gotten. Not that that helps. Oh. Thank you, Austin. <laughs> yeah, Austin's just <laughs> rubbing it in your face. <laughs> Come on, guys. It's obvious. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the, can you remind me of the ones I've gotten correct again? You got Fresno State 2016. You got South Alabama 2019 and Florida Atlantic 2014. Okay, so Mike Riley lost to BYU. Correct. And your incorrect guess is Southern Miss and Louisiana Lafayette. Man, I would, I would, I would have thought for sure Southern Miss was the correct answer. I, yeah, I'm with you. That's what I had I, written down. I think, and I'm how not about, sure on this. I think Southern Miss was a second game of a season somewhere in there. How about Wyoming? Okay. How about Wyoming for the win of the category? Correct. Dang it. Good guess, that was, though. That was the Tater Martinez game, I think. Yeah, and again, I think that was... 11? It, it, yeah. No, I, no, no. Yeah, 11. That's a, different, that's a different team. All right. Greg, you have a chance at a know. steal here. You have one <sighs> that you have to get. God, Ben's picked off the ones that I thought was going to happen. Yep. Um, you can guess one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Guess whatever you want. Guess Southern Miss again. Let's make sure that's not on there. <laughs> yeah, make them double check their notes. <laughs> that's how this works. Oh. oh, man. There are people so mad at their radios right now. Yeah, they're yeah, yelling. Yeah, I know. They're yelling. Yeah, sure they are. Text line is about to be overflowing. Blow up. Austin's yelling in his mind right now what this one is. <laughs> Even if I had another guess, I don't, I don't know what I would guess. <laughs> Give me Troy. All right. How about Troy for the steal? Oh. Incorrect. Austin, you let him know. It was Arkansas State, the Red Wolves. 2017. Okay. Yeah. I do remember that game now. We almost lost it. They, uh, Tanner Lee threw a pick six, and they had a shot in the end zone at the end to win. Yep, there you go. All Western right. Kentucky was the Taylor Martinez game, oh. Greg. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. All right. 
All right, we're sticking with college football here for question number two. Name the five teams in the American Athletic Conference East Division for football. Jeez, Ben, Greg. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with Ben on that one. Well, Central Florida seems pretty east. Show me <laughs> Central Florida. Here they are. Good call. I'll play it. Um, I know it's not Memphis because they play them in the title game every year. How about East Carolina? Show me <laughs> East Carolina. Off and rolling in the ACE. Florida Atlantic. Show me Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic, not a member of the AAC. How about that? Not even in the right league here. Florida Atlantic you was just, an answer to question number one, and so I, I hesitated there before I <laughs> yeah. the buzzer. I got Lane Kiffin on the mind, boys. It's Lane Kiffin again. Lane Kiffin <laughs> again. Go. Oh, man. <laughs> He's always on the mind, you know? Ben still riding the Lane train. Oh, no. That's... It's just not not where I want to be. Devin Singletary. Um, Eastern Conference or Eastern Division or whatever it is. You've done well so far. I'll give you that. How about USF South Florida? Show me South Florida. Well done. Okay. Two left with two strikes. trying to get rid of all the Texas ones in my mind. So it's Houston, SMU. Are there five in each division? Yeah. Uh, there's six that? There's six in the West division, five oh, okay, in the okay. East. So it's a little oh, boy. wacky that way. Five in the 11 East. teams. Okay. And no thanks to UConn. The reason why we uh, right, they spe right. specified, too, basketball doesn't have divisions. They just have one conference. I think they all play each other twice and – so, I'm throwing out Houston. I'm probably throwing out Cincinnati. How about Tulane? Show me Tulane. Man, you are not riding the green wave to a correct answer. <laughs> Greg's signing, and it's not even his turn yet. No, I'm trying to, trying to come up with them. <laughs> Temple? Show me Temple. All right, Ben, I'm impressed already, even if you don't get this last one. one I don't team, think I have the one last one. I don't think you do either. <laughs> you can refer to your notepad. That's okay. My notepad is... Uh got a bunch of wrong answers from the last question on it. I don't think it's going to help me. <laughs> hmm. You can throw a Fresno State out there and see if they've moved yeah. conferences in the last. <laughs> see if it they moved. I feel like I got the obvious ones. Yeah, you did. It's probably a less obvious one for the last, last answer. Got two strikes. Okay, I've got it down between two. Are you going to tell us which ones? I'll tell you one of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Strategy. Game planning. Okay. So here, I was, here's here's the one that I'm going with, and I'll tell I'll give you my reason first. You typically tie this into something that's happening in current events, and I know Navy's about to play Notre Dame, so I'll take 
I'll take Navy. Okay. Show me the midshipman of Navy. <laughs> Navy, Navy not. <laughs> God, I was hoping you weren't going to remember Temple. Because yeah. I had that written down. I was gonna say that. I, I don't know who it is. I don't know who it is. I does great. I don't That's know. key question here. Another steal opportunity. Uh, it's really. It's. I, I was gonna say it's really hard for me not to give hints right now because I've no, got no, a good one. You can't one. give any hints. You can't <laughs> give any hints. Um. Yeah, boy, this. Ben got four of the five. He just missed he the last one. Um, yeah. Somebody's going to get three and leave me, leave, leave me Temple. Temple was on your list? Yes. You took that. I was going, That would have been, been the steal don't if you hadn't it. gotten that. The only reason I remember Temple is because I remember Scott Frost playing against Temple yep. and watching that game from a press there, box. There I you think go. we were in Penn State. I think I was we were. in the Penn State press box watching that game. Yep. We were. You're right. Uh, give me App State. Show me the Mountaineers of Appalachian State. It is not the Mountaineers. It was Nebraska's opponent for this year, the Cincinnati Bearcats. Man, I eliminated them. I thought they were too far west. (laughs) That's why I said you probably weren't going to get it. I didn't think you would get it because you had already eliminated it. I definitely didn't get it correct. (laughs) Josh and I had to give each other a look to make sure we didn't (laughs) say anything. He said it. All right. Moving on to question number three, NBA-related, which five NBA players have scored at least 56 points in an NBA playoff game since 1947? Ben. Greg. Ben in first again. LeBron. Show me LeBron. Give me Jordan. How about MJ? All right, Greg. What's the point total again? At 56. least 56 in an, a playoff game. So Michael Jordan is actually the only one on this list to have done it twice. He did, scored 63 and 56, respectively. Since what year again? 1947. And that's okay. not necessarily the first year that has been done, but that's the first year that yeah, the okay. NBA was what it is. Give me Wilt Chamberlain. How about Wilt the Stilt? Yep. He scored 56 on the nose. Kobe Bryant. How about Kobe? Kobe is not on there, so one strike. Larry Bird. How about Larry Legend? Good guess. Both good guesses. This one will be out there a little bit. Allen Iverson. Ooh, how about the answer? He, the answer. I thought about it, saying that, Greg. All right, so, Ben, you get a chance at a steal here. You have three opportunities to get it, or three different choices you could go with. Okay, now I'm just trying to think of guys that had a lot of playoff games. And who, I mean, it, this could have been a dude from a bad team who just went off one night. True, yeah, it could have been. I don't know. Carl Malone. How about Carl Malone for the steal? No, let's read him off. So Elgin Baylor had 61 points in a playoff game. 
Charles Barkley had 56 in a playoff game. And the one that I thought you guys would get right away, Donovan Mitchell had one just a couple of... Oh, oh wow. Like a week ago. So. Oh. All right. We pivot from the hardwood to the diamond. We ask you guys to name the four most recent MLB pitchers to throw a complete game no-hitter. Ben. Any takers? Anyone? <laughs> we'll flip a coin to buzz you in. I said it. I said my name. Yeah, you're in, Ben. Uh, man. You gotta have an answer. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, obviously, Lucas Giolito. Show me Lucas Giolito. You got one of the four. Max Scherzer. Show me Mad Max Scherzer. Did not do it for the Las Vegas Outlaws. Has not done it most recently for the Washington Nationals. Hmm. Um, I feel like some of the recent ones have been kind of some nondescript ran, yeah, guys. Yeah, random guys for sure. Yeah. That's that's that aren't I'm like at, your not they're uh, not your top of the line yeah. dudes. I would say there are two of two of the three that are left would be in that category. That is a little bit of a hint, but affirming it doesn't that. really help. I was already kind of on yeah, that I mean, wavelength. Well, one of them though is a big name pitcher though. Um, I thought for sure Scherzer did it pretty recently. Justin Verlander. Show me Justin Verlander. You bet. There you go. Now Proud the member two of the mammoths. Yeah. Now the now the two nondescript yeah, exactly. guys are left. <laughs> that was the guy that was the big name. Yeah. Got your warm up calisthenics in. Now get to right. your squats and bench. There's one of these that I feel like you should get, and then one that I don't know how you would get it, but. <laughs> Holy smokes. How about this for a hint? The one of one of the guys was on an SNBL team. The name that keeps coming to mind and I know it's not right because it was like 15 years ago is Mark Burley. <laughs> <laughs> I mean go for it if you want. Is, is that an official guess? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Sean Manaya? Show me Sean Manaya. That's a good guess. I know he had one recently. Yeah, I think that was a little before what we're, we're it's <laughs> within the last couple of years, so we're not going too far back with these. There have been multiple no hitters that were not complete games by one guy though. So that's part of the issue is looking for specifically complete game no hitters. Two of them, in fact, with one strike yes. left. Yes, one strike left for Ben. I think I think I know who one of I think I know who one of them is. Go for it. And, and it's because he's thrown two. <laughs> Do you share? Mike Fires. <laughs> Show me Mike Fires. You bet. And that is a random name. Yeah. That dude. That <laughs> dude yeah, is as he, random as he it has gets. thrown two of them. He was a member of the Roar. And I, don't, I don't even know who to get. I'll say Jake Arrieta. I don't even who? know. Who Jake Arrieta. Show me Jake Arrieta. <laughs> who, who did he throw those? Was he with Oakland? 
Uh, one with Houston. Oakland, one with yeah. Houston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, I kept thinking it was an Oakland A's guy, and that's that's, that's why I said Manaya too, because I right. thought I thought it was when an you, A. When you said that, I was trying to think of some other A's because I remember an A's guy doing it recently, and I have no clue on the other one. <laughs> so give out. me uh, give me uh, Shane Bieber. <laughs> Shane Bieber <laughs> Shane and his Bieber. broken head. It oh. was not the Biebs. It was James Paxton, Big Maple. Yeah, wouldn't he's bad no right now? I would have never guessed that. All right, moving along quickly to question number five. Which Isn't that it? Didn't he just win? No, nope, you, you, you got last question. point. You got the last point. Oh. three to one, three better to one, text, Ben. Better text our guest. Yeah, <laughs> which five countries have the most total medals all time at the modern Summer Olympics? Can be a current or former country. Ben. Ben in first. USA. <laughs> USA. <laughs> you got it. I'll play it. All right. Uh, Summer Olympics. Summer Olympics total medals. How about China? Show me China. Good guess. I think they're top ten, but not top five. What's the question again? Top five countries total medals at modern Summer Olympics, current or former country. Okay. How about uh, Russia? Uh, I'm going to buzz you on that one. Okay. That's probably a clue, but... Uh, Soviet Union? Show me the Soviet Union. Yes, okay. second tough, place. Tough judges. I know. Yeah. Well, but Russia is counted separately, so they aren't quite in the top five yet. They would... Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. Um, Three left. Yeah. How about... Uh, how about Germany. Show me Germany. They're number five on the list, so you need three and four with two strikes. How about uh, how about France? Show me France. Ben on a roll. Through the game, Ben. You'll lock it up. This is it right one. here. This is for the win. Oh man. <laughs> um. What other big countries are there? <laughs> How about Japan? Show me Japan. No. All right, Greg, this is for a steal. Keep the game going. Australia. Show me Australia for the steal and the win, or just the win, <laughs> the win of the question. It was Great Britain. Great Britain was the fifth question. So Ben takes the victory. We'll get to the tiebreaker question at some other point. Good okay. for the Brits. Well done for Great Britain. <laughs> Good for those guys. Nothing good on TV anymore? Struggling to find something to watch? There's no crying in baseball! Well, we've got you covered. I'm gonna make him an offer again with you. Alright, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. It's time now for Sports Nightly Flicks Picks. And action! Alright, time for this week's segment. Ben, start us off. We have wrapped up our second watch through of Breaking Bad. I don't remember if I talked about this or not, um, but I, I'd watched it like a long time ago and I, I kept seeing the, that it was trending on Netflix. And I was like, man, I, I kind of like to go rewatch that. It's amazing how your perspectives on some of the characters change the second time you watch through knowing what's going to happen. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I, to be honest with you, I, I finished watching it the first time. I was like, yeah, that's pretty good. I don't know that it's as good as everybody says it is. I liked it a lot more the second time, to be honest with you. Sweet. Josh? All right. My uh, clip is from a movie called The Founder, so here's a little peek at that. I know what you're thinking. 
How the heck does a 52-year-old, over-the-hill, milkshake machine salesman build a fast food empire with 1,600 restaurants and an annual revenue of $700 million? One word, persistence. Prince Castle Sales. Hi, Jim. Ray, how's it going down there? Good, swell, a lot of interest. We got an order, six mixers. To anyone in particular? McDonald's. Care for a little tour? We wanted something different, and that's when my brother here comes up with one of his brilliant ideas. Order's ready in 30 seconds, not 30 minutes. Unique, original, there's nothing like this. It's revolutionary. It's exactly what it is, it's revolutionary. So The Founder is a movie from a few years ago. Michael Keaton's a star. He plays a man named Ray Kroc, who really was the brains behind making McDonald's what it became or what it is now today. The McDonald's brothers came up with fast food, really, and it kind of tells that story. But the main story is how uh, this Ray Kroc character uh, took it and franchised it and really against a lot of the wishes of the original McDonald's brothers made it into a giant organization. So interesting movie there. And Nick Offerman of uh, Parks and Rec fame plays one of the McDonald's brothers. So that was kind of fun seeing him in there without a mustache, but a uh, decent movie, a lot of history in there and a lot of accurate history too. He went on to own the Padres for years. He did. Ray Kroc did. Yeah. Austin. So the show that my fiance actually chose for us to watch has been talked about on this very program, Designated Survivor. My family and I watched the first handful of episodes of the first season when it first came out and completely unprompted. My fiance chose that after he finished up Space Force. So we've gotten five or six episodes into that and enjoying it so far. Way better than Space Force. (laughs) First season's really good. Okay, uh, mine's a movie called How Do You Know? What? Listen to this cast. Reese Witherspoon, Owen Wilson, Paul Rudd. Jack Nicholson. Reese is a softball player on Team USA. She gets cut. She starts to try to date either Owen Wilson, who's a relief pitcher for the Nationals, or Paul Rudd, who's a um, Paul Rudd is just a businessman. It's terrible. Don't waste your time. This is an awful movie. And I couldn't believe it because that cast is incredible. I mean, those are all A-list people. But have you seen it, Ben? You obviously must have seen it. Yeah, it's just terrible. It's terrible, and I wish I'd have looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes before I wasted my time to do it, but I loved all the main characters, and I'm like, well, this has got to be good. I saw the same thing as you did. I was like, look at this cast. I'm going to watch this. I fell asleep, I think, like an hour into it. Just awful. Likeable people, but, man, that was a stinker. So don't waste your time with that. It was on Netflix. Skip on right. Skip on by that. All right, tomorrow night we will have Steve Rosen from Husker Online with us. He will talk about... Finances. He writes a lot of financial pieces for Husker Online. How does the loss of football in the fall affect Nebraska athletics, the city of Lincoln? We'll dive into all that with Steve tomorrow night here on the program. We'll also have Beyond the Headlines and our weekend preview coming your way tomorrow as well. Our Sports Highly Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Thanks to Ben, to Josh, to Austin, and to all of you. Have a great night. We'll try this again tomorrow.